What's up, church planters and all you fans of church planting? My name is Jared Huntley, and I'm with my good friend and fellow planter in arms, Matt Hess. And you guys are listening to In the Trenches, a podcast by everyday church planters for the everyday church planter. So whether you're a lead church planter or you're on a church planting team or you're just a fan of church planting, then this podcast is for those of you who want to get in the trenches and advance the kingdom of God. What's up, Matt? What's going on, brother? Not much. How you doing, man? I'm doing good, man. That's good. What's life like in Washington, D.C.? Well, uh, our church launched yesterday. What? Yeah. You know, it's kind of weird because I feel like I'm kind of in a matrix or something because it actually doesn't launch until like three days yeah. from now. But when people hear this episode, it will have launched yesterday. So yeah. so that's hey, so, exciting. Hey, man. So how'd it go? Uh, fantastic man <laughs> we had a great turnout i preached a fire message it was Woo, oh yeah it was lit yeah it was it was lit so <laughs> that was great man uh how, how you doing how's your week doing good man it's good it's been a it's been a busy season but it's good man god's gracious that's awesome well hey we've got a special guest on today it's not just you what? and i yeah first guest of season three we've got clint clifton with us uh wow. so yeah it's ex- we're excited to have clint on so for those of you who don't know uh clint is a he's a veteran church planner who's started churches started church planning networks uh he's written what i think is the most practical church planting manual out there it's called church planting thresholds um and we're gonna uh, by the way, I have a link to that. We're going to probably talk a little bit about it during this episode. Uh, but if you're a planter and you haven't read it, you need to go get it and pick it up. Um, he's also the city missionary for the North American Mission Board in uh, Washington, D.C. And he's an elder at My Sending Church. So he's an elder at Pillar Dumfries. Uh, and they're the sending church of our church, Pillar D.C. So, uh, And also, I think most importantly, this is the Clint Clifton of uh, Sound Doctrine, uh, the, uh, uh, the, oh, famous, wow. the famous Christian band that wrote uh, their greatest hit, uh, The Invisible Elevator. So most of our listeners probably know Clint from from that. So uh, it's an honor to have you on, Clint. Oh, man. Yeah. I very rarely get remembered for my contributions to the music industry. So I really appreciate you bringing that up. <laughs> you bet. Clint, where'd you, Clint, if I don't remember, if, I, if my memory serves me right, weren't you nominated for a Dove Award for that classic? <laughs> I was I was runner up. I was runner up. Runner up in Quantico, Virginia, right? Oh. Quantico, first uh, runner up. Always the bridesmaid, never the bride. So. Yeah, oh, man. That's right. <laughs> so, oh, man. Well, hey, Clint, how are you doing, man? What's going on in your world? I'm doing great. Um, Jared, I'm doing especially good because uh, – because you've moved to town and relieved me of one of my one of my duties. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. You need Clint said I need a better duty and uh, and I brought need me a better duty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So for our listeners to give you some context, Clint was basically interim pastoring the church that we're now like relaunching. It's kind of a weird like thing how it happened, but uh, he was interim pastoring Pillar DC while they tried to figure out what to do with the church. And uh, so what ended up happening is we're relaunching the church. We combined it with a campus of McLean Bible Church, one of their campuses, and we're relaunching it as a new church. So Clint was happy to not have to uh, have those responsibilities anymore uh, so that he could stop being an elder at two churches at once, which... (laughs) To be clear, I love my time there and um thankful for those those people but um i just this like a constant drip of knowing you weren't doing as good a job as you could sure uh so i, I knew it needed something better so yeah, yeah. Jared, Jared is the better 
<laughs> well, yeah, I'm 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 learning for both of you guys constantly, so that's the only reason that it, it's uh, it's better. So, but yeah, I mean, Clint is uh, has a lot of plates spinning a lot a lot of the time, and so uh, definitely definitely glad that we could take that off of his hands. Um, so, and today we're just going to talk about uh, identifying and raising up homegrown church planters. It's a conversation we've had before, uh, and I think it's uh, it's something that when I think about people who are good at that. Clint is one of the people that I think of. Uh, and so I, I thought it'd be really helpful for our listeners just to, to pick his brain about how to do that because he's got a track record of doing it. He's identified and raised up homegrown church planters uh, many times over in the past. And so I think it's something that we all can learn from. Um, and so Clint, you recently said uh, that churches, you believe churches are more open to multiplying and planting churches than at any time and really in recent history in the U.S. And that's been an encouraging sign. Um, But I think we, you know, we agree, we would agree that most churches are still struggling to raise up homegrown church planters. Um, It's more common for churches to bring in somebody from the outside who's either seminary educated or, or has experience. And there's nothing wrong with that. But could you explain why raising up homegrown planners is such an important emphasis that we need to have uh, and something we should be shifting our focus to? Yeah, sure. Well, the, the main reason is because of volume. I mean, the truth is fewer people are going to church now than uh, we're going to church five years ago in the previous five years and the previous five years. And so um, no matter how well it feels like we're doing in church planning, we still haven't even gotten to um, the baseline of um, of uh the, the same number of people year after year uh, going to church or following Jesus or becoming Christians. And so, yeah, there's a, there's a ton of work that needs to be done and all the efforts that we're seeing going on. I mean, you and I spend our days, Matt, we spend our days like working in church planting and it feels yeah. sometimes you can have your head in the sand and it feels like, man, things are going great when really we haven't even gotten to the threshold to the waterline, so to speak. That's right. That's right. And, uh, so, I mean, the volume of church planting that has to happen for us to get to anything that looks like a movement or anything substantial is so high that there's no way it's going to be done on the backs of professionals. Mm. Yeah, that's good. And you think that, uh, you know, one of the things that, uh, that you mentioned to me the other day is that, um, in, in a lot of ways, like the necessity of raising up homegrown planters is increasing because the, the low hanging fruit is kind of gone. Like we're kind of running out of church planters or, you know, guys who are ready made and ready to go. Yeah. The imagery we use is that like, uh, the stocked pond is empty, mm. you know, yeah. uh, yeah. There's no there's no more fish in that pond. Like we've got to go to the wild caught like streams. We gotta catch catch people for real. Like in this the the wild is our churches. You know, those yep. are that's where potential church planters are. Yep. And um the prize at the end of the day, I feel like in church planting is gonna go to the pastor who figures out to how to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Mm-hmm. I mean, it sounds so basic and it's like what we quote all the time and think about, but I mean, you think about how many guys you know that have raised up people in their congregation who receive their call to plant churches inside their church. And the number of people that we can point to that have done that is so minuscule. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and and you, you just said, like, you know, I'm one of the people you think of when I when um, when you think of that topic. 
like who are the others and um i am, am even thinking myself and i'm not you know, I'm not trying to sound boastful or arrogant. We focused a lot of energy and attention on that to the neglect of a bunch of other things, which is why we did good at it. But <laughs> yeah. there's just not a lot of people doing that kind of thing. Not, there's not just a, not a lot of people doing it. There's not a lot of people trying to do it. Um, uh, everyone's satisfied to go, you know, get their seminary buddy to come plant a church for their church. And like, that's okay. But I just feel like I love Nam's new emphasis. We've got a new emphasis under Dahati of uh, raising up church planters from within. They're using that language from within now. They're tagging yeah. that on the end of everything. And I think that's fantastic. I, I hope that that continues to be a trend. Yeah. So Clint, why do you think that it's so much harder for churches and pastors to identify and raise up planters from within uh, their own churches? Like what are, what are the obstacles to that? Okay, so the obstacles, obstacle number one that comes to mind is that our churches, the systems of our churches are not built to develop planters. Hmm. So I think about it like this, like, what are we telling as pastors? What are we telling the people who we're equipping is the pinnacle of um, development? You know, is yep. it? Uh, to fulfill a ministry role inside the church, our church, are they going to be the elder or the perhaps a uh, like a kid services director, kids yeah, ministry, all that stuff, all that stuff, yeah. or maybe it's something even beyond that, like a staff member. Maybe you're going to go into vocational work, like that's going to be that's going to be the top of the heap. If you work really hard here as a volunteer, we're going to one day give you a really small paycheck. You know? <laughs> And uh, that's, <laughs> that's an option uh, or like, so like the superstar Christians, the ones that are really like crazy about Jesus, they might actually become missionaries and like go to overseas or something. like mm -hmm. that. But there's like, we're not necessarily aiming in our, I don't know many pastors who are aiming at developing pastoral leaders, church planters yeah. that would go serve somewhere else. I mean, I just think about like uh, Matt, Matt, the, relationship that we have you working with jared so long i think jared would say you were a huge part of his development as a church planter and for you to just kind of like be happy to see him go away i know that stunt had to sting a little bit but because i've been on the the end of that sometimes yeah way but man it's just like just to develop people knowing that they're going to go out and being thankful that they're going to go out i just don't think our churches are built for that our churches are built the systems and structures of our church are built to produce ministry leaders and mature people not pastors hmm. man i i totally agree with everything you just said i mean i would even say like we have to pastors and established churches we have to i talk to i talk about this all the time about how you have to count the cost if you want to multiply and we I'm sure just like you guys, man, we've sent out elder candidates. We've sent out worship leaders, youth pastors. And every time you send out key volunteers or whatever, it hurts. And be, multiplication is so much more than just saying, like, I want to plant churches just because church planting is my thing. It's kingdom activity. It's it's really this selfless, you know, humble way of doing ministry, because what it reminds you every time you send out another key person that oh gosh we're not a big church we really need them is yeah. that this this thing's not about me this yeah. thing's not about my personal kingdom it's not about my church it's not even about my network it's about 
It's about the king and his kingdom. And when we live open handed like that, man, God honors that. God blesses that. Yeah. And 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 I think we got to help pastors rethink why they're there, not just to raise guys up. Because I agree, man, in church planning, that's the that's the language we talk about. We talk about systems and volunteer structure and all those things. And they're good. And if you do a really good job, then maybe you could be the director of this ministry. But what do we have for those people who how are we calling those people to say, no, like we see something special in you. We want to help you plant a church. Yeah, I think the thing that made a pillar a little bit different when we when we got started was I was honestly aiming at making church planters. I um, like the and I don't know. I think I got this from my mentor and pastor. Um, he, he was honestly aiming at that. That's how I became a church planner is because he was trying to make me into one. Um, and he was fruitful and successful. And like if a pastor puts their energy and attention into a certain type of type of development, if we have a destination for our discipleship, so to speak, then we are often hit it. We hit the target, you know? Yeah. And um, but but the I think the real problem is to your question, Jared, the real problem is most pastors aren't aiming at the target of producing pastors mm-hmm. that's right yeah that's i think that and i think that there's you know probably a hard issue behind that kind of like matt alluded to you know counting the costs and then there's also like a uh i think just a uh a nuts and bolts you know uh issue behind it so matt what were you gonna hey, say hey one thing i was just gonna say like you know clint can really speak into this because you're great at this man i've learned so much from you over the past few years about this but like i don't you think also pastors have this much you said in the beginning that that pastors you know we're trying to build this movement on the backs of professionals Mm -hmm. and i i talk to so many pastors and i'll say to them hey what about that guy have you ever seen that guy man i think that guy could do something well oh no he he's got a problem with porn well maybe he does now Maybe he does now, but put him That's in the our go-to. Put- That's our go-to. Everybody's, <laughs> yeah. everybody's hooked on porn. <laughs> everybody's hooked on porn, man. It's not a, it's not, I don't know why we're laughing. It's not funny. But, <laughs> I don't know why you're laughing. I'm talking to you. Paul Washington. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, but, but this dude's like, oh, that guy struggles with lust, you know. Uh, oh no, man! That that guy's got a bad attitude. Well, he's probably gonna make a great church planner if he's got a bad attitude, or, or that guy's pride. He wants to do everything his own way. Well, he'd probably be a pretty good church planner, you know. But it's like, there's this. My point is, there's this idea of man, that guy's got to go to seminary, or that guy's not mature enough, or whatever. And what I like to say to those guys: put that dude in your back pocket for two years, or a year, or six months, or whatever, and teach him how to walk with Jesus. And see what he could do, sand off those edges. And I, I think there's a world of potential in our pews and in our chairs and in our congregations that we just overlook and we disqualify and we discount because we think they don't look the part or whatever. Mm-hmm. You're you're 100% right, man. I mean, I, one of the things I, I uh, when I talk about uh, how, how to raise up from within. One of the things I commonly say is you have to be wildly optimistic about pastoral potential in others. Yes, you have to yes. look at a dude and go, uh, yes, that guy could be a pastor when 10 other pastors will look at them and say, that guy could never become a pastor. Um, that guy couldn't pass out programs. That guy, I don't even know if we should let that guy near the kids. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. 
I mean, the truth is, you know, we, we are, we forget how much Jesus has changed us. And us. I mean, like we are just, we quickly fall into Pharisee mode where we think that um, everybody has to be buttoned up to be useful to Jesus. And I just, I mean, I, I have been, it's amazing how fast somebody can grow and develop and how, how solidly they can grow and develop when they are given a specific goal to work toward. Mm -hmm. I think one of the tragedies in the church right now is that we are developing people for nothing. Mm. You know, we are, we are like gun collectors. We collect guns and don't shoot them. You know, and we, we're like athletes who practice, but never play a game. We've got 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 people in our churches. Most of the members of my church are more educated than most pastors worldwide. Um, the difference in those pastors worldwide and the people in my church is those pastors worldwide are doing something about it. They're yeah. out there. They're taking the knowledge they do have and they're doing something. And we want to criticize them for um, perhaps not being sound or whatever, instead yeah. of coming alongside and equipping them and helping to strengthen their doctrine. We're just like sort of lob, lob stuff at them from afar. But man, we just need more. We need, we need, you know, more optimism about the, the, trajectory that the Lord can take somebody on and how they can mature them. Yeah, man, you brought, you brought up a good point. Jared and I have talked about this a lot, man, but you know, something that our listeners need to hear, if you say, well, that guy's messed up or I, I, you know, before you think about, you know, inviting that dude to leave your church, we got to understand something theological correction and all those things. They, they only happen in relationship. So if, if you are just pointing your wagging your finger and saying you're bad, you know, what is that going to do? I mean, we, we have to have relationships with these guys and, and see what God could do with it as, as he corrects and stuff. And then if he's still a heretic, you know, a year from now, then you can kick him out. Yeah. Well, the, you know, like the 12 disciples that, you know, that Jesus chose, they were certainly not polished when he, you know, saw them. Like, I think Jesus was wildly optimistic about Peter's, you know, potential ministry outlook and, you know, Thomas and Matthew and all these guys, they were, you know, rough around the edges and they did theologically, they weren't there yet. Um, you know, maturity wise, they weren't there yet. Uh, but Jesus chose them and then intentionally discipled them and walked with them for three years and got them ready. So dude, who would, who would, who amongst us, as leaders would ever ask Peter to lead the whole thing. Right. Yeah. I mean, not, that's not just that, but you, you think about the, the Jesus's like method for choosing people was yes. calling out to them essentially like, exactly. Hey, come, come follow me. And so who were the ones that got discipled by Jesus? The ones who got out of their boats and followed him. Like it wasn't anything to do with their competency or anything like that. It was mm. their willingness to obey. That's a, that's obey. so good. That's so good. To obey. That's mm. that's the key right there. What you just said, Clint. It's obedience, man. That makes if a guy like you said, you have a lot of people or whatever in your church and, and they're educated, but there's other guys around the world that are obeying. I mean, like I would much rather that that has become like the the indicator for me is a guy. Are they walking in obedience? Are they at least trying to walk in obedience? Not how well they speak or their charisma or anything like that, but are they obeying? Jesus you go, does. you go back to our um, our guy who's addicted to porn, you know, and, and you think about him, and you say, you know, hey, bro, like God could use you. Um, he could use you to plant the church. He could use you to equip the saints. He could use you to build his kingdom, to win people to Christ. But you've got to overcome this yeah. this addiction that you have. 
I'm going to walk with you in it, but you've got to be all in. This is the kind of like hand chopping, eye plucking intensity that you have to come to this, this table with. And I, I have seen over and over guys overcome huge sin obstacles and barriers and become really godly mature um, people that know how to fight sin. And, and the thing that pushed them over the edge was the desire to be something else, mm. you know, the desire to go somewhere else is like, um, I remember like, uh, you know, when I was starting to have a desire to marry my wife, I, I, there were all these things in my life that I knew, like, I can't get married with this stuff being true, the financial stuff, mm. sin stuff. And it's like, if I'm ever going to get married, I got to get over this stuff. There's no way I can get married like this. Yeah, so yeah. It, there's, there's something about that destination, the like goal of that destination that really incentivized me to work to eradicate those things from my life. Mm -hmm. That's so good. That's uh, that's true. And I can definitely relate to what you just said. I like, I distinctly remember God really like kind of smacking me over the head when I met Jen and I knew I wanted to marry her. And there were some things I was like, I have to change these things or like, I can't marry this girl. And so, uh, yeah. and that, that was the, the impetus that really like kind of kicked me in the pants and caused me to change, make some changes. So, Hey, Hey, uh, for the listeners, some people, um, some people say things like, yeah, I really out married or whatever, but Jared Huntley genuinely out married. <laughs> His life is incredible. And yep. he, he is not a quarter as interesting as he is. Without her. It's so true. I'm not worthy. Uh, no, the reason that the only reason that like I passed assessment or anything like that, the only reason Matt brought me to Canada is I think ultimately because of Jen, because like when yeah. they found out like that, you know, how talented she was and how amazed she was, they were like, oh man, like we were, you were all right. But now that we see Jen, like, okay, come on up. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's, we got a two for one. Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. yeah, she's awesome because, you know, she's she's definitely like like a lot. I see a lot of times planters will have, you know, their their spouses are kind of like uh, like the, the planter is on the journey and kind of planting churches and the wife, his wife is kind of tagging along with him. But like Jen is genuinely just as called to this as I am. And like she's right side by side with me, like in the trenches. Um, and so oh. it's oh, I dropped it. Yeah, that's right. And so. <laughs> Um, so yeah, that's pretty awesome. So anyways, uh, back to the topic. Um, so, uh, I think this kind of can segue in, you know, we were talking about obedience being, you know, what Jesus saw in, you know, the, the 12, like that's what separated them from the people who didn't follow him. So, uh, that kind of leads into a next question, Clint, uh, you know, how would a church identify a potential planter in their midst, like practically, Okay, that's a great question. That's maybe the most important question we're going to talk about today. Yeah. So if you're a pastor of a church right now, like hear me on this. Most pastors do this part of the process by waiting for someone to come to them and say, Pastor, I'm feeling called to plant a church. Right, that's right. That is not the way you plant dozens of churches. You, right. you, you will not be fruitful, successful in church planting by sitting back and waiting on that. Mm. Um, especially if the only way you might get some traction in that area is if you preach frequently and really well about it. But even if you do that, you'll only get a small number of people that would actually come to you and say they're feeling called to that. Here, uh, if there's a secret sauce to how Pillar has planted as many churches as we have, the secret sauce is the fact that we don't sit by and wait for that to happen. Yeah, I will go to a guy 
um, and say, this is a very common conversation that we have in our church. Uh, I'll say, hey, you know, in Timothy and Titus and even in Peter, there's some qualifications for pastors in the Bible. And when I read through those qualifications and I look at your life, you seem like a person who who meets most of those criteria. Have you ever considered being a pastor? And just leave it there. <laughs> and usually they'll say like, no, I haven't really ever thought of that. Uh, I have this other career. I was like, well, I want you to know that if you ever had a desire, because the Bible says you have to have an aspiration, you have to you have to want it, you know, but if you ever had even just a smidge of that desire, I'd love to help equip you to be ready to do that. So just know that your pastor cares about that and is willing to spend as much time with you as I can to help you get ready for that. But you have to want it. So if you ever want it, you let me know. Hmm and have that conversation sometimes uh not sometimes even more often than not i will not have that conversation off the cuff but instead i'll say to somebody um like matt if it were you and you were in my church i would say to you um hey matt i have been thinking about something and i want to talk to you about it it's kind of um it's it's kind of serious and so i was hoping that maybe we could get together uh privately uh would you have any time like in this coming week for us to sit down and talk about something and I do that because I want you to get the sense that I'm super serious about this. Yeah. This is not a joke. Yeah. I'm not playing around. <clears throat> and so all week long, you're thinking, like, what are we going to talk about? What's he going to What's he going to talk to me about? Oh, man, yeah. pretty heavy. <laughs> and then we get there and I say, look, a bottom line up front, I think you have the gifts to be a pastor. And I think God might be calling you to that kind of work. I'm not sure. Only you can discern that. But uh, I, I, as your pastor, my job is to equip the saints in my church for the work of the ministry. And you're a saint that I think would work really well in ministry. And I want to equip you. And so, so I want to just lay out to you what it might look like for you to become equipped pastor. Hmm. Um, and would you be willing to let me share that with you, you know, and yeah. Yeah, conversation like very direct. And I think it's important to like drop it on their lap and just leave it hot. Like imagine hmm. it like this, like this, like thing you just took out of the oven, this like stone you just took out of the oven, you just drop it in their lap and leave it there because I don't want to I don't want to give them the opportunity to escape the awkwardness of that moment. I want them to really wrestle with is God calling me to this work? And I think that is that one piece right there is the secret sauce. Because um, yeah. almost the most common response I get when when I do that kind of thing, and I've done that 20 or 30 times in the life of our church with people. And every church planter that we sent out has a story of when I sat down with them and said that kind of thing. Um, uh, very commonly what happens is the f immediate response from the guy is something like, um, no, there's no way I could ever do that. I'm not, I'm, that's not me. You know, you've misdiagnosed me, you know? And, yeah. uh, and I said, and I usually say something like, it's okay. I, I don't, I'm not a prophet. I don't know for sure. I just want you to to promise me that you'll genuinely seek the Lord and pray about this, you know, and um, and uh, it's powerful to believe in somebody, you know, Amen. like when when somebody believes in me and thinks I can do something, I want to I want to prove them right, you know. Yeah. And uh, I just think that's the way that God's wired us up. And for your pastor to come to you and say, I think you can do what I do. I think you can be what I am mm. is pretty powerful. Absolutely, mm. man. There's a ton of. I mean, for our listeners, there's a ton of power in encouragement, and this is more than just encouragement, but looking somebody in the eyes and inviting them to do something that, I mean, is a God thing, you know, I mean, it's just, it's special. 
man, I was just listening to you talk, Clint, and I mean, you know, the three of us would be pretty far, I think, and and uh, on on the apostolic side. And I, I, so I know our listeners are out there hearing this, and there's like some maybe some shepherd type guys, and and they're like, well, like kind of we talked about in the beginning, like how would you, what about that guy? I mean, that guy could be your you know, worship leader, that guy could be your guest director or whatever it might be. And they might not have that apostolic, like sent out, maybe speak into, it doesn't matter. Cause like I talk to shepherd guys all the time and I'm like, it doesn't matter. Like this is part of your calling as the leader of the church you pastor. It's to raise up leaders and to send them out. Yeah. So maybe speak into that because I hear a lot of that language going on these days, especially in our tribe where, well, that guy's, that guy's, an, you know, he's an ape. And so of course he's always looking for guys to send out, but what about, you know, the, that pastor that's more of a shepherd teacher kind of guy. Yeah. Uh, so the way I think about that and it's, I'm, I'm kind of a simpleton. So maybe this isn't, maybe there's somebody that has them, uh, different kind of brain that make it skin this better but how i think about it is i want to i think there's value in destination so i want to have a destination for everybody and so it's helpful to only have a few simple destinations instead of a bunch of little you know specific destinations so for me i'm like i'm going to basically train everybody to plant a church yeah and it's not going to hurt anybody <laughs> yeah. and uh, very commonly along the way through assessment or just the means of assessment in the church, like the church becoming aware, more aware of someone's gifts or through uh, seeing them learn to preach or their kind of um, giftedness in evangelism or in gathering people, you might come to the conclusion, oh, this person probably is a better fit as a blank you know, rather than as a, as a lead church planter, or maybe they fit on a church planting team. Um, and those conclusions are easy to come to along the way. So I'm not making a promise to somebody yeah. when I sit down with them and say, I see this gifting in you. I'm not saying to them, you're, a, you're definitely going to be a church planter, a successful right. church planter. I'm saying, I see some, some kindling of, you know, what God common or so one of the phrases I use sometimes is uh, in you, I see the raw materials that God often uses to make a church planter. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, that's, I think, I think I'm kind of th the destination I have in mind for everybody is church planter. I remember one time in our church, I asked a man, his name was Wes. I remember him specifically this is like 10 years ago. I asked him, um, Hey Wes, have you ever, have you ever thought about planting a church? And he said, uh, every man in our church has thought about planting a church. We talk about it every Sunday. How can we not think about planting a church? And I was like a little bit disturbed and a little bit proud, you know, all at the same time. Um, on one and side, that, and that's when you know you got to bring in a shepherd. Yeah, yeah. I, honestly, that conversation was a lot of why Colby Garman works with us yeah, right now. Yeah. Uh, because because uh, I walked away from that conversation and was like, part of me was like, yeah. <laughs> I'm the church planting hammer and everybody's a nail, you know? Um, and I was like, but then I walked away and I was like, but there's, you know, also all these people here who yes. have sat over and over and over again and, and concluded over and over again, not me, not me, not me, not me, not me. And they're right. It's not them. Hey, listen, <laughs> listen. to care about them, you know? Hey, listen, I, I don't think, I don't know if I told Jared this before, but for our listeners, like, so I was in the Marine Corps. I was stationed in Quantico where Clint serves and where Clint's at, where he lives. And 
I was a part of, I was, I was 21, 22 years old. I was a part of this little bitty dying Baptist church. And I was just a far, a long ways away from Oklahoma looking for some good doctrinally sound. And these old people loved on me. And I'll never forget one Sunday night, Clint Clifton came and spoke on church planting to these old people. <laughs> and he's talking about how you should plant a church and all this. And I'm thinking, who amongst these people are going to plant a church? <laughs> wildly <laughs> optimistic, man. Wildly optimistic. Wildly optimistic. Clint told me years later, he said, man, I was wondering what a guy like you were doing at that church. So. Well, you're the only person that didn't need a cane. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, man. So Clint is Clint speaking truth. He really does try to see everybody as a church planner. But it's fascinating. Jared, like, you know, the we've had this conversation a million times about, like, trying to see that potential in everybody. But then it's really tough for, like, apostolic types because, you know, and this is why we're transitioning at Fellowship Pickering, looking for that shepherd, more shepherd type, because what you realize is everybody's not going to plant a church. Everybody's not going to be sent out. So what do you do with all those people? Well, they still deserve to be ministered to and loved on and, and shepherded and guided and all those kinds of things. It's probably just not going to be me. Yeah, yeah. It, it's not just that they deserve to. It actually a, a, a balanced sort of a pest leadership board in your church yeah makes the makes the apostolic piece of it even better because yeah. yeah the thing that was always negative about my leadership at pillar was that there were there were a bunch of people that were not getting there they weren't growing over their their sin struggles and their barriers in life in a way because if you if they weren't preparing to start a church or to go into ministry, I I had only like half interest in them, yeah. and um and they really needed somebody to 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 really you know think deeply about them and their sin struggles and help them through. And so it's just such a good thing to have a more balanced yes. leadership board. But when you start a church, you don't have that stuff. It's just not right. available. So, um, but you have to work toward building that. So that means that it's kind of like I use the um I I think we about this on another podcast recently but the uh the, the kind of contractor analogy that i think of all the time is like you know there's uh there's disciplines in building a house and there's a, con a general contractor the contractor has to value all the disciplines if he's mm -hmm. going to be a good so the pastor of a local church has to value all the disciplines he has to think that discipleship is important he has to think that uh, church planning is important he has to think that all that stuff is really important and needs focused leadership you know? yes absolutely yep. that's absolutely. good so, so, um, Clint, that's such good stuff in terms of like, um, you know, when we're talking about identifying planters, you know, intentionally reaching out to a guy and approaching him and not waiting for people to come to us, which is not necessarily going to happen. And I think that, you know, uh, some other ways that a lot of times we'll see, you know, guys kind of rise to the surface as potential planters. I mean, there's, well, I, Matt, we may even need to do an episode on this, like that for our next episode, talking about like, you know, what does an apprenticeship or an internship look like? Uh, because Absolutely. a lot of times that's how guys Absolutely. can kind of, you know, begin to like, that's not only a way to identify a planner, but I think it also, that kind of rolls into equipping planners, which we're going to talk about in just a second. Uh, and then doing things like preaching labs, we call it supper and sermons. Uh, and so like, like, I'm super pumped because, Clint, I don't even think I've told you this. We've got eight guys that are going to start this preaching lab with us uh, in, yeah. in two weeks. Like, eight guys that we're going to start training to preach. And, bring like, they're it, all... It. 
bringing supper and sermons to the capital. I love that's it. That's right. Yeah, right. Started right there in Pickering, Ontario. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, we're we're multiplying it out here. But uh, but it's you know these are all lay uh, leaders. They're you know guys that work full time jobs in various you know industries, and uh, but they all have shown some sort of like if they've even given like an inkling of you know uh, hope that they might be able to preach worth a lick, then you know I've invited them in, and uh, so. Uh, those are some other ways that we can, you know, identify guys as potential planners. That's great. So, Clint, what about equipping guys? You've identified a planter, uh, or you think a potential planter in your midst. What do you do after that? After you've approached them, you said, "Hey, I see this in you," and they say, "Okay, yeah, I, I am interested in in taking this journey and pursuing God's call and seeing that this is indeed His call." What happens next? Yeah. Uh, so. The big idea is you just have to have a plan. The plan doesn't have to be perfect. And I love GK Chesterton on this this subject. Like anything worth doing is worth doing poorly at first. So the <laughs> the point that's is great. like you everything that's valuable that you would have to do, you're not good at when you start. Like um in the tendency in our culture is to pass it off to professionals. Um, but there's some things that shouldn't be passed off to professionals and the great commission is one of them. Uh, the great commission is something that the church is supposed to own. It was given to the church. It'd be like passing off parenting. We can't pass that off because it was given to us. Well, in, in this regard, uh, the, the commission was given to us and we have to raise up our own people. We can't farm that out. So how you do that is you just start and you be committed to making it better all the time. So of like the baseline, the easiest level, like you could start this this afternoon, your new residency at your church plant would be model, assist, watch, leave. That is model good ministry, show people how to do what you do, assist them, let them do it. Then you do it assisting them and they do it they assist you and then watch them do it and then critique them or i like to use the phrase shadow pastor them like yeah you know i'm going to give them a role of leadership in this particular aspect of work they're going to do it i'm going to watch and then afterwards we're going to get together and have a cup of coffee and talk about it and then leave get out of there let them do it without your hovering over their work mm-hmm. and uh you'd be amazed that when you go through that process with people they man they get it they pick up stuff quick Mm. uh there's nothing like giving somebody a like a heavy responsibility and believing in them before they believe in themselves that makes them like develop super fast so um you know thinking about preaching like preaching is a great way to have an example on this but when i when i uh teach somebody to preach uh, one of the things that i do is i say hey i want to i want to help you prepare a sermon and we're going to get together and work on the sermon together. And then you're going to preach it uh, or and we're going to you're going to write a manuscript. You're going to write out word for word what you're going to say. We're going to get together and work on it really hard. And then you're going to preach it and then we're going to you know, debrief it afterwards. So I'm giving them the idea that like this is going to be a long process we're going to go through. But then when we're done, like you've done it, you know how to do it. And I'm going to step aside and I'm going to let you preach, you know, and then I'm going to continue the feedback loop with you. But I'm going to let you preach. So so that. To answer the question, like simply, even if you don't have any curriculum or any way to get started, there is a simple way to get started, and it's model assist, watch, leave. Mm-hmm. Uh, if the next step of maturity beyond that is actually having like a syllabus where you're borrowing material from others, but you have uh, you have a plan, you know. So we have a syllabus. If you email me or 
uh, I'll send you the syllabus that we use. Um, but basically, a 40, we do it over a year. So we have 40 sessions over the course of a year that we work with somebody. And we're having them read three chapters out of this book and then go and start their own small group. You know, so it's head, heart, hands, all of it. And then uh, the next step of development, kind of the stage of maturity we're at as a church is we're trying to write all of our own custom curriculum to just fit perfectly our people. Hmm. Yeah, that's, that's, that's awesome. Uh, it's, I think it's super helpful just to have that, you know, model assist watch leave as a way that you can get started today. Um, and Absolutely. you know, like just kind of, you know, one of the things too, that, uh, Clint, that you said a couple of days ago that I loved that I've been thinking about a lot is you said, you know, a great way to like, kind of, uh, see if a guy is ready or not is just to give him like, tell him like, Hey, I want you to go smart, start a small group and I'll give you whatever resources you need. If you need money, you need anything at all. But the one rule is that you're not allowed to invite anybody from our church. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, can, can you go and gather yeah. people? Can you go yeah. and invite your neighbors and get people to come like things like that? I think are great ways to really like kind of, um, you know, help guys, you know, uh, learn and, and grow and really, uh, you know, discover, do they have the chops to be able to plant a church in the first place? So, um, Awesome. So, uh, is, so talked about, uh, identifying planners and, uh, equipping them. Uh, and then, uh, you know, like, uh, what about like, what else after you kind of develop a residency? Um, you know, do you like let them lead a ministry? Uh, you know, uh, when do you, how do you know when a guy is ready to be sent out? Well, we actually, we actually kind of put it on a timeline. So we, we, there's two stages of readiness for us. Like one, stage one is character readiness. So like, we want to make sure, uh, I'm not going to commit to send somebody when their character is not right. So, yeah. or when I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. So usually if a year long residency, we would go from like August to, to January, just really trying to affirm that we believe in this person's character and we believe that they meet the biblical qualifications but if their hands aren't ready if they're not competent yet that's okay i'll send somebody out who's not yet competent which gets you know a lot of people uh don't agree with me about that um but the uh i'll go back to that in just a second i'll send somebody out whose whose competency is not there but whose character is but i'll never send somebody whose character is not there and competency is and so, um, uh, ideally both of them are ready. Uh, but if somebody, uh, goes out and their, their characters in place, they love Jesus, they depend on the spirit, they respond right to rebuke and criticism. Then when they go out to plant, they're inevitably going to grow. The spirit will be with them. And, you know, I mean, the Holy Spirit promises in the Great Commission to be with us always, even to the end of the age. So, like, they've got, they don't need me. They've got them and they've got my phone number. So, like, they can call, I'll help them. And they've got the Holy Spirit right there with them. So, I think the competency piece is something like, there's no better place to develop your competency than out there trying to win people to Jesus and gather them together. Amen. Amen. And you also, uh, I know like uh, in the Praetorian Project, which is, uh, you know, the, the Pillars Network of Churches, uh, one of the, I guess, kind of, uh, you know, guiding principles uh, when we send out church planners is that we send guys out in pastoral teams, right? Yeah. You want to talk about that real briefly and about why? 
Yeah. I, I mean, it's biblical and practical biblical because, um, you know, G Jesus uh, sent out the disciples in twos. The, the apostle Paul always had a companion with him. There was, yeah. you just can't get away from anytime you see people spreading the gospel in the new Testament, there's, there's two or more of them out. And so you just don't see the cases in the new Testament of people going off by themselves to start off an evangelistic venture. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so that's kind of where, uh, where that comes from, from a biblical side, but practically speaking too, if you want to multiply rapidly, uh, you are always equipping somebody every time you send. So mm. we send people out, you know, common in our vernacular is the number one guy, number two guy language. We don't think of it like that. We think of it as long-term guy, short-term guy. So when we send a, a, a pair out, those guys, one of them's long-term, one of them's short-term. And so it's not like one guy's in charge, the other guy's not. One guy's going to be there a long time, the other guy's not. Mm -hmm. um, that's Man, that's really good. Yeah, and the other guy's not going to be there a long time because he's going to go off and lead a team. And when he goes, he has to recruit a partner too. Yeah. Yeah, that's really good. And that's what kind of, you know, a lot of times you'll hear that referred to as planting pregnant, right? Where you're, you're, you've got a ready-made church planter ready to be sent out. And so it really helps cultivate a, a culture of multiplication, even in the new church plant. And, you know, that's ultimately how you see exponential growth take place. And it, the other benefit is that, you know, you one of the biggest problems that we see church planters face and one of the most common complaints is loneliness out on the field is being alone. And you solve that problem when you send guys out in teams. Uh, you you don't have guys that are you know they're not alone. Uh, they've got somebody who's just as committed as they are to this work. And ideally, you're probably sending uh, two guys who are different in their gift sets. And so you're not yeah. going to have like a a church that's lopsided and has a ton of blind spots. It kind of helps to cover some of those blind spots a little bit better, so that you know one guy's strengths are another guy's weaknesses. Uh, and I think that makes for a healthier church down the road overall yeah so there's a lot in what you just said man there's it's could do another podcast on just that but yeah there are um there are things in putting that team together that you should really consider and think about gifting is certainly one of them uh but um but the point of sending people out in groups sending missionary teams out is the model of the new testament yeah. Amen. Well, man, we could, uh, we could keep going and there's, you know, we could talk a little bit and we, we should probably do another episode at some point about, you know, deploying, uh, you know, uh, church planning teams and then how to care, uh, you know, after you sent these guys out, how do you care for them? Uh, unfortunately we're out of time for this episode, but I think this was, I hope it was super helpful for our listeners. Yeah, uh, I know it was for me. Good. Yeah, this is good stuff. And I would just encourage you guys, like, I think you've been given some really practical tips on how you can get started doing this today. If you're a pastor, if you're a church planner, uh, honestly, like there's really not a good excuse to start working on planning churches today. Like you've got, you've been given like some, uh, some, you know, things to grab hold of with your hands and some actual steps you can take starting today. So let me encourage you to do that. We desperately need to plant more churches uh, across uh, the U.S. and across the world. And so uh, it can start with you. Uh, and I guarantee you that uh, got, you've got somebody there in your midst, in your congregation who you could train up and who you can approach and 
have these conversations with. So, right. uh, well, hey, thanks for our listeners to listening to another episode of In the Trenches. As always, we'll be back next Monday with another episode. So head on over to www.getinthetrenches.com and you can find links to all of our other episodes. We got like 70 episodes worth of content, something like that Woo! up there. So, oh yeah, all kinds of stuff. Uh, so you can spend your days listening to In the Trenches and getting prepared for church planning. Um, also, uh, make sure you sub- hit the subscribe button. If you're listening to us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, uh, subscribe to In the Trenches, and that way you'll get the episodes right when they come out. Uh, we're going to be back next Monday with another episode. So until then, go out there and get in those trenches, church planners. Church planners.